Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insight Series. I'm your host, Jeff Petowitz, President and CEO of the Petowitz Group. Today we have Shandar Padabiram, who is Chief Marketing Officer at Coupa Software. So Shandar, welcome to the show. Hi Jeff, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, last time we caught up, you were still at Marketo, uh, but now some really exciting things underway at, at Coupa. So tell us a little bit about the last year. Yeah, the last year has been really exciting. You know, I was CMO at Marketo. I left Marketo in June of last year um, and then, you know, took a few months off. And then um, I had this opportunity with Coupa Software. And then I was taking a few months off. I was kind of introspecting myself as what's the kind of company I want to join. And, you know, I wrote this piece about, you know, channeling my inner Einstein that, you know, E equals MC squared. I wrote this thing about an excellent company is a combination of A, mandatory category, times C, culture, times C, competitive advantage. Uh, and, and if I look at the Coupa, it's kind of a company in the business spend management space. Um, and it's really what Salesforce.com is to sales is what Coupa is to spend, managing all aspects of spend. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a mandatory category across companies of all sizes. It's got terrific culture, uh, you know, very authentic leadership color here. And that's one of the reasons I joined here. And three is it's got a great competitive advantage, uh, you know, leader in space. So kind of put all these things together. The last one year has been exciting because I've joined a very excellent company and very, very proud to be here. So, uh, Shandar, I want to go back to a word that you said about culture, because uh, Marketo certainly has been very well known for its culture it's had. And you mentioned you've selected Coupa for its culture. So in your opinion, what makes great culture and what kind of people do you look for? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I go back to the kind of the old Peter Drucker line that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. And ultimately organizations are about culture. Um, now it's, it's difficult to kind of define it in different aspects, but the way I look at it is one is, um, is there authentic, authenticity in the organization top down? Uh, you know, can you have, you know, conversations at all levels in an authentic manner, regardless of rank and position, and have that transparency of conversation. And only when there is transparency, there is trust, and you have to build that. That's one thing. The second thing I look for is accountability. Like, in, in addition to authenticity, is it a culture that's, that is fostering accountability with a strong bias for action and results, and people are held accountable for good stuff as well as uh, expectations? And third is, you know, does it have a sense of alignment and fun and purpose, or fun across the organization and, you know, the camaraderie, right? You know, great teams play for each other and just not with each other. And having that the sense of in collective environment and collective purpose is always good. So those are some of the things I look for, and I'm very you know proud to say that uh, at Cooper we have that going. So um, curious, why do you think that so many companies are still? I don't know if I want to say authoritarian, but top down control, right? Have the levels of hierarchy and, and don't give employees more freedom to make mistakes and be accountable for growth and, and their actions. Because I think generally, you know, when you scale at organizations, you know, when you're a small tribe of 150 people or below in employee size, you can do this and have that, you know, foster this environment and stuff. The danger that happens is when you grow in an organization, you start getting into layers of management and just the, just the system is designed in such a way that you have middle management and upper management and then executive leadership. And you start instilling different processes and all these different, you know, you know, systems of engagement uh, between these levels, and that causes, you know, friction across the organization and, you know, doesn't cause agility in the organization. So that's been the challenge. And that's got to be addressed kind of 
you know, starting with the leadership with a mindset. In fact, one of the things we do at Cooper is our org chart is actually inverse. You know, if you look at an org chart at Cooper, um, the CEO sits at the bottom, mm-hmm. and then the executive leadership, and 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 then then you know the different managers and that. ultimately that's true. And, and so leadership right there. Leadership, but that's the servant leadership mentality. You got to just have you have to have the mindset of certain servant leadership starting right from the in this case bottom this is the ceo and it's got to be promulgated throughout the organization um, otherwise you start getting into all these layers of processes and cover your back and and and, and you know a, a bias for process than a bias for results and you got to be careful not getting into that and that's been some of the challenges in organizations so uh, you, you came from Marketo, right? Performance-driven marketing, one of the gold standards in the business, and, and now you're doing it here. So, um, what kind of teams are you building, and, and how are you going about getting those results? No, it's a great question. I think um, for me, I look at marketing. Ultimately, you know, marketing is the science of storytelling, and I look at teams in both on the science side and the storytelling side, and bringing the right combination into the organization. And, you know, not every person can have the perfect combination, but collectively as a unit, we need to have the right combination. So that's what I look for, you know, bring that, uh, you know, I say there is a Churchillian skill set of executive communication. There is a Spielberg skill set of storytelling. And there's an Einstein skill set of, you know, data-driven marketing. And trying to get all these three collectively in the organization is what I look for in the full brain organization, as I like to call it in marketing. And that's kind of how I look at holistically to design the organization. But from a function perspective, you know, I look at, you know, the three big pillars of marketing. Design is, you know, we have leadership for product and segment marketing. And again, uh, product marketing is typically taking products to market. Segment marketing is making different business segments successful, aligning to different, you know, sales leaders. And then there is the demand gen and operations aspects of marketing. And then there's all the air cover in terms of brand, in terms of corporate marketing, in terms of customer marketing, um, in terms of our event, uh, corporate event marketing, communications, etc., and and obviously creative services. So bring these three pillars together and ultimately kind of drive the engine together. And from a success perspective, it's very, very important for us for all the three pillars to have the same set of metrics for success. You can start getting into issues when you can start designing product marketing for different success and you know demand gen for different success. And corporate marketing sometimes is more tough to measure. And the way we look at it at executive leadership is that pipeline win rates and brand success is being manifested for every leader in this function as opposed to isolating it for separate leaders in those functions. Now that makes a lot of sense because it, we do see that a lot where you have these different departments and in theory they do all report up to the CMO but, but they're, they're being measured by different things and so they're, they're not in alignment. Um, you mentioned brand. And just, to that, yeah, just, to that, just to make a point is that, for example, my head of product and segment marketing is, is has an MBO for pipeline as not just my head of demand generation has an MBO for win rates as not just my head of corporate marketing aligning to those because doing brand initiative for the sake of doing brand is pointless. So at least then you have a collective set of aligned objectives. Of course, they have different tactics and measurables within their respective functions, but holistically you want to keep it consistent to drive synergies across the organization. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I was thinking about your comment about brand, and one of the things, at least I think I've observed in the marketplace, is that all this pressure to put in MarTech and get to be performance-driven as marketers and get the left brain working on marketing. Um, along the way, I think we lost a little bit about the art, the story, 
um, the brand experience with the customer fulfilling on the brand promise. Do you see the same things in, in your peer view, or is that maybe is that maybe just me? No, I think definitely in B two B marketing over the last you know five to seven years, you've seen a lot of emphasis on performance marketing and this whole concept of can I get a seat at the table? Can I prove my value? And you know how do I get the Aretha Franklin R-E-S-P-C-T and, and get the seat at the table? And you know the Pedavis Group working with Marketo, we've done a lot of work in the past on that and, and getting the performance uh, you know engine into different organizations. However, marketing at the end of the day is about building emotional connection. At the rawest level, it is not the rational mind that makes any decision on product. It's the emotive mind. And it's obviously much more in the consumer than in, in consumer section than in B2B. But still, in any product that we sell, it is about building that emotional connection to win the battle for the mind. And we should never forget that. And and so, and ultimately, as I've always said, the, the, the battle for marketing is, you know, can I own an attribute in a buyer's mind? Um, so, for example, when somebody wakes up and thinks digital marketing, they want you want them to think Marketo. When when a CFO wakes up and thinks spend, you want them to think Kuba, right? And if you're able to get that attribute association by all the set of strategies and tactics you do, you win because you own the own the attribute in mind. So all those performance marketing aside, let's keep first principles in mind. Marketing is the science of emotional connections and building that emotional connection. Yeah, I, I think people do say that. I mean, even in a B2B complex purchase, when you're thinking about selling to a buying center, um, and, and of course what ABM does a lot to address, People still forget that it's still about the relationship. It doesn't. The product comes second. I mean, how many software companies have you worked with over the years when you first got the product to market? You didn't have the fancy demo. You had a crappy looking PowerPoint. You know, you were selling vaporware half the time. But what was the customer buying? You, right? They were buying the trust in you that you were going to take care of them and that the company was going to be there. They knew they were taking some risk. But there, it's the relationship, and I, I think that you know when you get into ABM, people forget that you've got to build those relationships with authenticity. You have to have the content, you have to have the data. It's just not a matter of saying, "Well, here's my 20 accounts, so I'm going to go after them." Um, what, what are you guys doing around ABM? So the point you made about relationships before I get to ABM is really uh, a really good one, Jeff, because, you know, ultimately people don't buy products or services. They buy their emotional connection with the brand, right? So for years at Marketo, you know, we thought we sold marketing automation, but really what people were buying was the marketing nation, was that emotional connection with that brand of this tribe, this community that they felt that it's that cool club that I want to learn, share, and grow with. And and that was really kind of the impetus for them to be associated with the brand as much as the products that we sold. And that's really, really important for us. And from an ABM perspective, you know, that we should not lose that side is that it's ultimately about building relationships. And, and that's why, you know, ABM is kind of back to the future because sales was all about bringing those relationships in the 90s and the 80s. And we kind of taken that concept and now we're democratizing it now that we have technology at scale to go do that and drive alignment between sales and marketing. So from our perspective, uh, we are on an interesting journey in ABM. And, and you know, there's going to be three things that, uh, first of all, for us, it all started with defining the ideal customer profile. And being very, um, uh, you know, empirical about it, and and using some predictive modeling to figure out which are the customers who have the highest propensity to buy, 
And most importantly, choosing the sub, the micro verticals to go after for these target accounts. Because one of the mistakes companies do is like, I want to go after financial services or healthcare, et cetera. That's flying the plane at 10,000 feet. You got to fly, fly the plane at 500 feet and say, okay, it's micro verticals. I can go target specific buyers in these accounts. So that's kind of number one, looking at ICP. Number two for us was getting rid of this, this notion of I have the traditional horseman approach of marketing sources 50%, sales sources 30%, partners source 20%, and getting off that horseman approach and getting into this concept of all bound, right? And all bound meaning it's not inbound, it's not outbound, it's all bound where marketing is co-driving all pipe as much as sales is because we're going after the same set of target accounts from, from that perspective, right? Um, so that's kind of the, the second institutionalizing concept here is, is getting away from the sourcing models into more, more of joint alignment models. And three, what we've done is, you know, defined, you know, entitlement and styles for us to go after ABM. For example, we have, you know, our top 50 accounts, and then we have the next, you know, top 100 accounts, I'm sorry, the top 500 accounts, and then kind of the next set of accounts. And we have different entitlements for these different styles of accounts. So some are very high touch um, with, with both sales and marketing, some are medium touch, and some are a little bit more account nurturing on the lower end, and driving these three different strategies of engagement for these different styles from that perspective. And we're using technologies, we're using Marketo, um, uh, uh, and we're using NGO. Um, as well, using you know, using demand base and a couple of other technologies, bringing all these together um, to drive this all bound approach to ABM. I love that all bound. Um, so, how is that also translating into omnichannel? Because I, I think it's it's a holy grail for a lot of marketers, and I think for many executives, they think that they're executing a multi channel. It's the same thing, but it, but it really isn't. It's a great question. So, for us, as a, I, I, the, the analogy I talk about is. If you look at a target account is, you know, if your marketing and sales is going after it, you know, our job in marketing is to color the sky scoop, color the sky cooper blue across a set of earned, owned and paid channels for an account that sales is engaging. Right. And in that particular purpose, like, you know, there's obviously the digital channels that we've talked about, you know, with Marketo with, you know, with their own channels, whether it's web and email and stuff like that. But direct mail is coming back. You know, in an ABM world, we see that the return of direct mail, and I see more and more engagement with direct mail with these same prospects in more high-touch pieces in that. We and then might even see faxing, too. I'm sorry? We might even see faxing. Well, well that one, <laughs> that probably, that one, maybe not, but definitely direct mail, I, I saw that. In fact, um, I got some AirPods the other day from, you know, some direct mail campaign that one of the prospects selling into me is in a very, you know, very, you know, you have this and a nice note, so I was, I was smiling on this direct mail campaign. And then I think, you know, in B2B especially, you know, the paid channels, tying the paid channels to the own channels um, with, you know, dedicated advertising on LinkedIn as well as other media is an interesting thing that, you know, we'd be seeing uh, traction on. Provided you're able to identify this micro segment and ICP in a good way, I think it'd be effective. So bringing those three things together um, is the physical, and that's why, you know, I call it the digital world. It's not physical or digital. It's kind of the digital world of bringing these together. It's very important from an ABM strategy perspective. Now it makes a lot of sense, and I think you know when tying back to our conversation though, with brand and the customer experience, it's regards to the channel. You know, the the customer sees one company, one name, right? They don't really think of us as a series of SKUs, um, and so they, they want to have like a, a familiar brand experience for whatever it is that they're pursuing at the time, regardless of the channel that that they happen to be in. 
That's right. You know, it's regardless. And, and a lot of times, you know, we, we tend to design our programs inside out. We have to design outside in. And from a customer's perspective, an experience is a sum total of every touch. And it's our job to keep that touch consistent and, you know, connected and each, each part of the journey. And it's more challenging to do. But I think that's why, you know, having this integrated omni-channel strategy and not trying to bite off a lot of stuff, but really trying to understand the channels of choice for engagement and, 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 and do that is, is very important. So what's your take on the next few years? Is there going to be another big trend in marketing that we should all pay attention to? Well, it's an interesting question. I think there's two aspects of it, right? I think there is AI and then there's AI. Let me talk about both, right? Um, there is AI from an artificial intelligence perspective that definitely we're seeing, and, and I'm really careful here, is it's really most of the AI is in machine learning. Now, the, the great Jeffrey Moore, I was talking to Jeffrey Moore, and he had a great way of describing machine learning versus artificial intelligence. And he talked about AI being trying to you know, emulate human intelligence Whereas machine learning is trying to simulate human intelligence with brute mathematical force. And a lot of the use cases in marketing we're seeing is on the latter, which is like, how do I use brute mathematical force to simulate human intelligence, whether it's for predictive lead scoring or predictive modeling or whether it's you know, offers or even stuff in social, et cetera. So you will definitely see the continued emergence of these micro use cases in marketing using that AI machine learning thing in, in, in marketing for sure. Now, the other AI to me that's important is the authentic interactions. Right. While you have AI in terms of the artificial intelligence on, on, on the aspect, but we can't lose the fact that a brand ultimately ha- this is this whole concept of as a brand, how authentic do I become? Now, it's a very difficult word to define and, 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 you know, kind of put it in discrete terms. But really, you know, the personality of the brand, the authentic, authentic, authenticity of the brand. And, and continue to have an authentic interaction um, is very, very important. So that's why I see the confluence of AI and AI um, being two aspects that's going in marketing. That's that's one thing I would say. Um, the second thing I would say in B2B also is that a little bit of balancing the boat in terms of marketing spend across the life cycle of marketing. If you look at it historically, 85% of marketing spend has been in acquisition marketing uh, because it's all about driving leads and opportunities, et cetera. But in today's world, you know, the, the true definition of success is, is lifetime value and advocacy. Because if a customer stays with you longer and he or she shouts from the rooftop that they love you, you have arrived as a brand. And that's the thing. So that's why you, the shift in focus just from acquisition into more adoption, cross-sell and advocacy marketing, you're going to see that more and more uh, as we go forward. Those are the two things I would say in marketing. Love it. Very well said. Kandar, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program. No, no, that's great, Jeff. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Cheers. Bet. Go Cooper. And go Cowboys, too. Man. Go Cowboys, go Cooper. Both. All right. Go Chandar, Cowboys, Cooper. All three. C3. <laughs>